everybody, Colin Plume with Self-Made Millionaire Tips. I'm here with Kristen Mallon, who's a highly accomplished, passionate, board-certified board nurse midwife with over 20 years of experience and basically hit hit the ground running, from what I understand, hit the ground running with a, uh, a midwife practice uh, that you sort of fell into. And, and I think that was your, your big first success was, you know, major success, uh, financially was this, this practice, maybe tell me a little bit about it. What, what made it unique, uh, for what you guys were doing? Yeah. So we had, um, a unique pairing, my business partner and I, he was a high risk perinatologist MFM and I was a certified nurse midwife. And we kind of matched up on the fact that we both really wanted these personalized birth experiences for women. And that really resonated with a lot of women. And we went to the market in an out of, we went out of network, which a lot of OBGYNs currently stay in network. And so we were able to kind of utilize his skills for high risk perinatology and ultrasound and utilizing those techniques with giving women this like very highly curated experience, um, providing them whatever level of service that they wanted. And so women were kind of willing to pay for the different different levels of services when like everything was on the table in terms of like ultrasounds at every visit, midwifery care, doula care, um, home visits, um, having and, 24 and nobody, access to the No one was really doing this the way that you guys were doing it at the time or, or in the area. I know you guys are back East, but what, what made it different? I, I know going out of network was probably somewhat of a risk at that time, but what, what made it different at that time? Yeah. So I think it was really just like the choices in childbirth that we were providing. So a lot of in-network, so most OBs are in-network. So right off the bat, that was like, you know, we're, we're only competing with maybe like two to 3% of OBs in general right there. And mm-hmm. then of the OBs that are out of network, they were kind of just doing the same thing that the in-network OBs were doing, but maybe just like no office wait visit time and a little bit longer appointments and maybe just a little bit more time at the bedside during labor but we were just like, nothing's off the table from your provider. Like, what do you want? What do you want from your provider? What outcomes are you looking for? And letting women kind of pick from a whole bunch of different choices and options and letting them kind of have all of those experiences that they were looking for. That's great. And and so you came in just working there and then the business started to take off. You were doing a lot. You were in a lot of hats, marketing, doing a lot of different things. And then at some point you said, Hey, I, you know, I, I think I deserve, you know, some of this a piece and you made a deal and, and sort of kind of went from there. Is that, is that sort of accurate? Yeah. So then, you know, in the beginning, when I, when I started working with my business partner, I was an employee and he said to me, like, I'll never have a business partner, like hundred percent for sure. That's not the type of person I am. I like to have like, you know, he always kind of called it a dictatorship business where it's just one person in charge. And then we, um, you know, I started to bring a lot of value to the business because I was able to kind of have this very broad vision of, of, you know, customers are so unique. And so like having all of these options, especially for birth, something that women are really willing to pay for and really willing to kind of like go the extra mile to get what they want. Um, we, we opened it up and then he saw how we were able to bring in a lot of different customers. And then he kind of was like, okay, well, I'm willing to consider equity sharing. And then it just kind of from there, he was like, okay, let's create our own umbrella of his parent company. And then that's how we became business partners. And and then he, it was kind of like full circle. Like he was like, well, I'll never have a business partner. And then we became business partners. And I think your story is great because I think so many times people think you can't 
from an employee become an entrepreneur and, and get, you know, uh, a part of ownership. And, and there are these situations where you added so much value uh, that it, it was like either probably at some point it was either I'm going to go do this somewhere else and someone's going to bring me on as partner or you, you see the value. And I think that's a great story for a lot of people that maybe are a little afraid to start their own business out of the gate or, or, or at a certain place, you can have these situations happen where you add tremendous value and then go to an owner and say, you know, I think it's, it makes sense for us to be partners. So uh, hats off to you. Amazing story. And so you had a, a sellout uh, of the business. Uh, it looks like you got into some real estate for a while. You were doing some flipping and uh, got into something like that. And then sort of your passion brought you back into uh, this new venture, which is Femgevity, uh, which is uh, a very unique business, uh, and, and I love niche businesses. Um, so, it, it, from what I understand from Femgevity, first of all, great name. Uh, tell tell me how the name reflects uh, what you guys are doing in terms of this uh, startup. Yeah, I think the long term vision is really about longevity medicine. I, I see that that's the future of medicine and where people, consumers are really looking to go and where healthcare dollars are looking to go too. I think they're both kind of going together in tandem. And so there's a lot of people that are doing male longevity. There's Dr. Peter Huberman, there's, um, or Andrew Huberman, sorry, there's Dr. Peter Atia, there's Dr. David Sinclair, there, and people like Tim Ferriss, and they're primarily focused on their male audience and male longevity and what works for men. And a lot of studies are done on men. And there's no one really that has kind of grabbed the market for women or really focusing on women's or women's needs or women's issues that come through for longevity medicine for women specifically. And there's this very unique thing that women go through that men don't, which is menopause and how women kind of garner menopause spear, like we kind of call menopause the upgrade and kind of how women use menopause to upgrade, uplift, level up their life is how they can catapult themselves into longevity and then into longevity medicine and, and totally out of sick care and just stay in the preventative lane. And menopause was sort of the medicine and, and what doctors were doing was sort of thrown a curveball 20 years ago. There was a, a study uh, that came out that I, I would say probably set some of the science backwards, right? In yeah, oh, of, definitely. And, and just briefly sort of explain what happened in 2002 that sort of sent shockwaves and, and probably set us back so much in this in this line of medicine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it to go even a little bit further back because there was a book that came out called Feminine Forever, which was like estrogen is going to like have this like cure all. It's this fountain of youth. Mm. I think women were kind of like apprehensive about that. They were on estrogen for a long time. So I think there was this subcurrent kind of building up that like something's not right here about estrogen. Uh -huh. And then that leads us to 2002. And there are lots of studies done before then, but that leads us to 2002 and the WHI, which is the Women's Health Initiative. And it, it was a National Institute of Health study. It had 27,000 participants, all women. And the study was supposed to run for a long time, seven or eight years. And they ended up cutting it short because they found that and not even statistically significant and not even reported correctly, but they found in the progestin estrogen arm of the study that there was, you know, a, can a breast cancer increase from 0.3 to 0.4%. Mm -hmm. um, and so they 
reported in the data that estrogen causes breast cancer, which isn't true. And that's not even what the study found. They said that it was a 25% increase in breast cancer, which when you look at like relative risk versus actual risk, isn't true. Um, they didn't look at compounding factors anyway. So they published a study in JAMA in 2002, and then that halted the use of hormone um, HRT, hormone replacement therapy across the United States overnight. So, yes. and it's really probably been the only time in medicine where something like that has happened. One study, only one study's published. Like, and no, there was no follow-up study. There was not, there was never, no one said, maybe we should take a second look at this and just make sure that we So did. they, they the did. They looked at the study again in 2007 and, and saw that they were wrong. And there were 40 principal investigators on the study and only kind of three of them came forward. Um, some of the principal investigators didn't even read the study because in academics, you don't always have, you know, you're running so many studies at one time. You don't always read your own studies. You have your um, research assistants read them, write them. Um, so there was just like a lot of mismanagement about this information. And then it just kind of perpetuated this cycle of misinformation through consumers and through medical professionals alike. And HRT has totally been given like the negative, you know, maelstrom bad hat since then. And, and we're, we're just starting to come out of that now. I think through the use of social media and TikTok and YouTube and, and Instagram, people are starting to understand that HRT is not only is it safe, it's incredibly beneficial for longevity. So basically the study comes out in 2002, they stopped using estrogen. They think it's cancer. In 2007, a lot of the doctors or anyone that was going to investigate, they didn't feel comfortable saying it wasn't right. I mean, at the end of the day, there had been a movement. There's no other, nothing else happening for menopause, really any, anything substantial from, by the way, it blows my mind that, you know, you have, you know, I don't even know how many millions and millions and millions of people that are going through menopause. And there's nothing, there's no aid. There's no, there's nothing there. Um, and, and, you know, we talked off uh, camera about how it, it's sort of a confusing time that you have your OBGYN, maybe you're trying to get pregnant or you're going through that cycle. Then the next phase is menopause and the doctors don't know what to do. Um, so there's like, you know, either, and, and menopause can last a very long time. I mean, I think there's, misinformation about how long that can last. So you have this, you know, very difficult, painful part of someone that could be 30 to, you know, 60 or 70 years old going through this. There's no stud, there's nothing really to help them. And then I guess that's where you come in with Femgevity is now we need to to really think about this again and and give people tools uh to 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 get through this time of their life uh in a better way. Right. Is it in essence some of it? Femgevity, that's what it is? Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely been, women have been given the runaround. They go to their OBGYN, they go to their internist, they go to an endocrinologist. And these people aren't really specialists in menopause because no one's been studying menopause. No one's been talking about it. And so the way that we've kind of dealt with menopause from 2002 on is like, oh, it's natural. And like, you'll get over it and don't worry about it. It's just a phase. It's not going to kill you. There's no morbidity and mortality associated with it. And that's not true. That's actually wrong. And the way you go through menopause actually affects your longevity. And that's really where, what, that's really the message that we're trying to get across with longevity. And then we're also trying to solve for this problem that women are misled and women don't know where to go. And so the, the big problem you guys are solving with this business is there's not enough uh, education on this uh, right now, obviously. 
people are looking for answers. Uh, a lot of time they, you know, we talked about this too. They get misdiagnosed with something else and they might just have menopause and just didn't have the tools. So how big is this market, Christian, that you guys are, are, are this femgevity, how big is the market that you guys are going after uh, in terms of dollars and cents uh, for this, for, for the kind of business you guys are going after? So worldwide, it's estimated that the market is $1 trillion. And there was like a CNBC article that kind of proved that there's been some femtech um, data published. McKinsey's kind of published some articles around that. Initially, it was thought to be 600 billion. That was like the initial study that was published in 2021. And then the updates to that in 2023 have been that the market size is 1 trillion worldwide. Wow. It's a huge market. And so you guys, Femgevity, uh, briefly, someone's, you know, goes your website there's monthly plans uh, there. There's a few different plans. Um, you know, in, in a nutshell, what what is someone going to, if they started out, they, they've signed up, you know, what's the first sort of intake look like? And what are you guys offering to, to kind of help people uh, deal with this huge problem? So we offer three different plans. We offer like a basic plan if someone just wants advice, like they want to kind of work with their doctor, but their doc they want their doctor to, to, to do all the prescribing and they want their doctor to kind of do all the lab ordering, but Got they it. really want an expert to advise them. We have the middle of the road plan, and this isn't available in all states because of state restrictions, but that's the plan where we do the lab ordering and we'll do the prescribing and we do that all via telemedicine. And then we have a top tier plan where we really get into longevity planning, where we look at someone's health data, their four horsemen of risks, the four horsemen of risks being cardiovascular disease, cancer, metabolic disease, and Alzheimer's and dementia. And then we start to control for those risks. We use much more in-depth testing, functional medicine testing, and then we start to correct and watch the lab trends get better over time. That's like kind of like the, that's like the big ticket item. And that's if someone's like really wanting, really at the point in their life where they're really ready to invest a lot in their health. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like someone could start at the first plan and and start to see how things are going. And then if things progress and they wanted more help and, and it's, it's sort of like adding an extra feature on into a very specific area. I know a lot of people love their OBGYN and so they maybe don't want to sort of break that relationship or have any kind of friction there. Uh, you guys are doing this through telehealth. Uh, what, what states are, are you guys currently in and what states are you going to be moving into in the future? Currently, we're in New Jersey, New York, Florida, and Texas. Um, the next states that we're moving into is California, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Illinois. Okay. Great. Well, listen, it's a $1 trillion uh, opportunity uh, out there. Also, you know, helping people that are are looking for answers. Uh, I've spoken to my wife, her friends, a lot of them are going through or close to going through a lot of the 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 issues. There, many of them are close to menopause, and they are looking to get information and and learn more. And then, you know, my mother, who says, you know, her doctor basically told her what you said, just sort of suck it up, which was the advice. Uh, so, for people that don't want that great advice, uh, they can check out Femgevity. Um, I, I think it's great. I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. People are excited about what you guys are doing. So I really appreciate you coming on and excited. I think, uh, you know, in the next six to 12 months, love to have you back on, see, see where you're at in the process. And, you know, I'm sure you'll have a lot of case studies and people that have been using the product. So we're excited, but 
all the best to your journey. I think it's going to be amazing. I, I love what you guys are doing so far. So thanks again, Kristen, and looking forward to see you on the next uh, the next podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.